The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with pity for her and said to her, Do not weep. He stepped forward and touched the coffin. At this, the bearers halted. And he said, young man, I tell you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, exclaiming, a great prophet has arisen in our midst. And God has visited his people. This report about him spread through the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Do you believe that Jesus can heal you? Do you really believe that Jesus can heal you? Whatever needs healing in your life, do we believe that? It's a really important question. So when we hear gospel readings like today, and you see this, woman who's lost every person in her life. And she's mourning and she's grieving. And she probably doesn't know what to do. And Jesus comes along and encounters her and says to her, do not weep. And he raises her son. Do we believe that that can happen in our own lives? Or is it just kind of a nice story that happened 2,000 years ago and we threw it in the gospel so that people might think we have some legitimacy? Because our Lord does do this, and he does it all of the time when we have eyes to see it. When we have eyes to see it. And although we don't experience our Lord raising people from the dead physically, many of us have seen this in our own lives as he has risen people from the dead spiritually. 
when we have that family member who's away from the church or they've fallen into an addiction or they've adopted a lifestyle of isolation. And then our Lord enters into their life and brings them back. If we don't believe that our Lord can heal us, then we've lost sight of the whole gospel message. Because our Lord did bring to set captive, our Lord came to set captives free, to give sight to the blind, to bring life where there was death to bring joy where there was sorrow. And that is why we come to Mass every week. To get a glimpse of that hope. So that we too can enter into that healing process. Because all of us have something in our life that needs to be healed. And I've seen many people that go through the Unbound Ministry or some of the other healing ministries that we've started in the diocese who were once dead and are now alive. Families that were once ruptured that are now unified. And it's amazing to see what our Lord does there. And so how does that happen? Much of it happens when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to our Lord in the midst of the tensions in our life. In the midst of the tensions in our life. And those tensions in our life come at those moments where we feel like nothing's going the way it's supposed to be going. And yet we remain open to our Lord and we look for our Lord in the midst of the tension. We look for our Lord in the midst of the tension. Because so many times we can look around and say, I don't really know what is going on and Jesus is certainly not here right now. But it's at those very moments that we have to look for him and see what he's trying to do in our lives. For the apostles, how long did it take them to go from, get away from me, Jesus, I'm a sinner, to proclaiming the gospel to others? It took three years. Like three years of just learning who Jesus was. Like if we think about Peter and like letting himself live in the tension... He was just going about his business, and he was on his fishing boat, and this guy jumps into his boat that he doesn't even know, and he starts preaching the gospel to this crowd, and Peter's thinking to himself, oh my gosh, if he only knew what I've done in my life, he would not be in my boat. Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinful person. It's attention. And Jesus looks at him and says, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And he goes. 
And he shows moments of being faithful, and then he shows moments of doubt. Even at the Last Supper, he's like, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. At the Last Supper, he says, I will never deny you. Hours later, he denies him. Then he tries to go back to his old life after the resurrection, and Jesus again enters into his life. And says to him, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep anyways. And then at Pentecost, he has this conversion experience, and then he goes out and starts preaching the gospel and converts thousands of people. But his conversion came, his new life came by resting in the tension, in the difficult place. Because so many times, for us, it's difficult to rest in the difficult place, to rest in the tension. So, in my own experience, when I came back from Rome about three years ago, my own spiritual life has really consisted in starting over again with Jesus. That's why so many times I'm preaching on conversion. And people would ask me questions like, what devotions do you do, and what do you do, and how do you pray, and... And really for the last three years, my prayer life has mostly been, Jesus, you're welcome to be with me doing whatever I'm doing right now. I'm praying my bravery. And my Marian devotion has been not so strong. In my own life, I've had difficult relationships with mother figures. And so my Marian devotion just hasn't been that strong. People would say things like, you need to entrust your ministry to the Blessed Mother, and I'd be like, eh, I don't really know. And so, I just was kind of resting in the tension. Like, I know that she's calling me to herself, but I'm just kind of like, I don't really know. And then Tuesday, I was in prayer, and... I was over at John the 23rd and I was staring at the Mary statue and I was feeling that tension. What does the tension feel like? It kind of feels like fear or it feels like worry or it feels like anxiety. It feels like I'm not comfortable right here. Like when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're afraid that they can see into you and they kind of know your life and you're like, "Uh, I want to get away from you. And I was just recognizing what was going on inside of me and this sort of fear. And then out of really nowhere, I heard this voice in my ear say, don't be afraid of taking Mary as your spouse. It's what Gabriel said to St. Joseph. And in that moment, it broke through that tension. It like broke through the fear. And then for the last week, at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go pray my rosary with some excitement and zeal and comfort in that, right? Our Lord breaks through that tension when when we stay in it. That's what happened with this widow. She's in this horrible place, and she gets to look around, and then she sees Jesus come in, and he heals her. 
And so in our own lives, like, how do we look for our Lord in those moments of doubt or in those moments of tension? Like, do we look for our Lord? Because it can be very easy to look around and we have the stresses of our life and the busyness of our families and I don't know how I'm going to get all of this done. And we fail to say, where is Jesus acting in all of this? Where is Jesus acting in all of this? What is our Lord trying to do in this? A lot of families have a practice at dinner where they say, we're going to go around and we're going to do like thumb, like good things and bad things that happened today. You know, like today I got an A on my spelling test and some kids didn't play with me on the playground and I was kind of sad. How amazing would it be if mom and dad then said, well, where do you think Jesus was on the playground today? Like, where was Jesus in that for you? Like, how is our Lord acting into your, in your life or entering into your life every single day in the midst of our worries or our anxieties or our fears? Because that's where conversion happens. That's where conversion happens. And if we want to build up the church, if we want to be a light that shines in the darkness, <coughs> we can't be afraid of telling those stories about ourselves. Stories about how I was a sinner and then I found Jesus and now I'm living this life of joy. It's those stories that bring hope. It's the story of how Jesus broke through the tension in my life. A lot of times we can be worried about how do I make an argument for the Catholic Church with secular people? And we worry that we're not academically prepared for that. But we have this example of St. Paul. Like, where does St. Paul get his legitimacy? He tells his story. That's it. He's writing to the Galatians. This is right at the beginning of the letter. And he says, You heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I tried to destroy it. But when God, who from my mother's womb had set me apart and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, so that I could proclaim him to the Gentiles, yada, yada, yada. St. Paul makes his argument based on what Jesus has done in his life, and he tells the story of how Jesus broke through the tension in his own life. That's what has power. And especially in our modern world, there is a power of personal witness in telling these stories of what our Lord's doing in our life. That's what attracts others to the church. And when we talk about why do we come to Mass, why do we receive the Eucharist, why is the Eucharist so important to me? Because there was a day when I was in high school that I was in Mass and I'd had this experience of Jesus on a retreat and I realized 
that the same Jesus that I had the experience with on the retreat who entered into my life and broke through something was now present on the altar. And when I received him, he was touching me. Jesus brings healing in the gospel by touching the coffin. And every single week when we receive communion, he touches our tongue. He touches our hands. The same person. And that is unbelievable. And sometimes we might not even believe that ourselves, but that's the place of the tension. If we have a hard time believing the Eucharist is Jesus, we might say, Jesus, I don't really believe that the Eucharist is you. Help me to see that. And don't be afraid of sitting in that and waiting for the day that he breaks through our doubt and says, don't be afraid of really turning your life over to me. And so today, let us pray for the grace of sitting in those points of tension, to be mindful to look for our Lord in every aspect of our life, in every day of our life. And for that grace of continued conversion, that we may have that life of joy that our Lord has promised us. And we ask also in a special way to pray for the courage to tell our own stories to others of the amazing things that our Lord has done in our hearts, in our lives, and within our families. 